Hey guys, and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh Fitness Podcast. So thank you so much, guys, for listening over the last little while. It's nearly a year since I started the podcast, which is quite scary. And this week is one of my very first guests who's coming back on all the way from Vietnam. It's Paul Dermody. So Paul is a PT, online coach, and host of the Paul Dermody Podcast. So Paul, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for inviting me back on. It's really good to be back. How is life in Vietnam treating you? It is awesome. Um, it's very, very different. Culture is different. I'm surprised a little bit how much I've adapted to it. You know, the, the first night we got here, uh, I was putting a like a Diet Coke can in the bin and a big rat shot out of the bin and like nearly stepped in a cockroach. And, you know, if you told me that, seven months ago i'd have been like oh i don't know if i can live there but you know you'd be surprised how quick you adapt but man it's it's cool it's it's a really it's a very different way of life over here and you know even no matter how much you work on like trying to humble yourself back home and your mindset and stuff there's nothing like just going into places where people with the least seem to be the happiest to just make you realize life you know certain things like that so yeah it's, it's a pretty amazing experience i don't see myself coming home anytime soon that's for sure it's that the one thing when I was over there, the biggest thing was the food's amazing, one, but the traffic, walking across the roads. It's just mayhem. Junctions are first come, first serve. Like traffic lights are more of a suggestion than something to be obeyed. It's just madness, man. It's bedlam if, you know, you describe it. And I try and put it on my story sometimes and people are like, oh, you're not exaggerating. Just the, you know, people are doing U-turns on the motorway and then just decide to drive down the wrong side of the motorway. It's bananas. It's just mental. I remember talking to a local over there and they were kind of saying, yeah, just don't look the drivers in the eyes. They get freaked out if you look in the eyes. So just stick your head down and just walk across with authority and they will miss you. And you're like, if we tried that here, you would get hit by the car straight away. It's just, it's just mayhem. I can't even describe it. I've seen your stories. I've seen Orla crossing the road and stuff like that. And it's just like, it's just mental. Um, and you think they're exaggerating when when people tell you cross the road and don't stop once you go you have to go and that's really hard to get your head around because you know we've nearly caused a couple accidents by stopping you know by stopping as I've walked but you you go and traffic will drive around you it's not even a minor exaggeration it's crazy it's it's just mayhem um, you're also you're, you're learning Spanish at the minute Paul how's that going for you I know we were talking a little, little bit off air about it at the minute but how's it going overall yeah it's really enjoyable um, I actually decided back in the summer that I wanted to commit to a couple of things that just I have a set of values in life and I, I would probably recommend you know after doing some inward looking and inward reflection I think it's useful to have a set of values I think values can kind of be defined as personality traits or characteristics or things that you're not willing to negotiate on because they make you and other people around you a better person. So being a man of my word is an inherent value that I'd like. And I've been talking about learning Spanish for a bit. And I started in January, started, I actually really started last summer, 18 months ago, but I was doing 10 minutes here, 15 minutes here, like there was no structure to it. So in January, I started doing 20 minutes a day and I was getting decent. You know, I could order a coffee and I went from freaking out in the Spanish shop to not freaking out, but still not being good. But in January then, I, or pardon, in July, I said I would do an hour every day, most days certainly, and it's going well. Um, it's it's one of those things that it might it might sound a bit silly on a podcast, but I, I did it because 
2019, I, I love life, I love 2019, I love everything about it, but we can have anything we want at the touch of a button, we can get validated externally. If you pay attention to yourself on social media, I mean really pay attention, you can watch just how much your behavior gets adjusted by the feedback that you get. And even if you don't think it's happening to you, I deleted the Facebook app off my phone yesterday and it, I don't know how, but the Facebook icon is still on my home screen, but there's nothing there when you open it. I don't, I don't understand it. It just says, you know, tap to to update the app or something like that. It's just, it, it makes no sense. I've never seen it. But I have subliminally opened that Facebook app about 15, 20 times, even though it's not there because of habit in the brain. So I just wanted to take on a challenge that made me smarter, could make me feel my brain inside my head work. And probably the best of all, there's no validation for it. There's no, it's all intrinsic. I, I can't get validated for being fluent in Spanish. You know, you're either learning or you're not. I also think as well, it's a nice little metaphor for life. I tell a lot of my clients, one of my little mottos in my head when I learn Spanish is, there's no fluency, there's no end date, which is a stupid statement because of course there's fluency. What I mean by that is, you have to do the 100, 200, 300 hours practice. You have to get uncomfortable and put yourself into situations speaking with people uh, in order to get past that fear. You have to take on a slightly new challenge just better than where you're at now because technically you're insufficient as you are, otherwise you'd know the language. And I think it's a really good metaphor for fat loss. You know, there's no slim, there's no muscular, there's no end date. It's just constant progression, constant challenging yourself. So to give you a ridiculously long-winded answer to a very straightforward question, Shane, very enjoyable, very useful for my self-development, and six, seven more months, and I think I could be fluent. You mentioned fat loss there, and we've you've talked about kind of getting into a daily routine and making it a habit. How can you translate from what you've done with the whole thing with learning Spanish and making a daily routine? to compare to any tips for someone that's trying to lose a little bit of weight and making that a daily routine? What steps would you, you bring in? That's a wonderful question. And I, cause I think language is a wonderful metaphor. One of my things is just because you've decided you want to learn a language, doesn't mean you know how. And that's what I always say to people who are like, all right, I'm ready to diet. I'm like, great. Don't actually understand fat loss yet. So don't beat yourself up when it doesn't happen next week. Um, you know, you know yourself, you, personal trainers, any trainer will tell you, you've worked with clients, everyone and their mother has tried to lose weight. Everyone has tried to drop body fat. I think we both did it probably for years with stupid shit. Yeah. Um, but do you know when you kind of finally kind of understand, you know, the, the fundamentals, you know, small caloric deficit, a pound to a pound and a half is a safe rate of weight loss. It really rationalizes how silly everything else you've been doing is and that like if you have a hundred pounds to drop, you need to set a realistic time frame of 50 to 80 weeks, depending. Like, you need to set that time frame. Like, you can't just be slim in two days because you've decided now is a good time to change your life. So it's it's a really useful metaphor to me because, you know, I always tell people, don't just press the fuck it button when you've had a bad moment. You know, that's just going backwards. I've been in situations where I've said the wrong Spanish words. I've said silly things to people. I've gone to meetups, stuttered over my own words. It wouldn't be smart if I just quit and said, you know what, I'll stop learning all weekend. I'll forget all about it. I'll even empty my head of the knowledge I have, throw it all away, and I'll start again on Monday. It just, it makes no sense. And again, very trite, very simplistic um, metaphors. But I do think it molds into fat loss that if you're going to try and commit to a brand new habit, commit to the process. Commit to the the process of doing it. Commit to being a newbie at it and understanding it along the way. Commit to the imperfections. Commit to the fact there's no end date. Commit to wanting to have it forever. 
uh, commit to really enjoying what I feel most people can't do. You know, I think it's really endearing when I say to a Vietnamese person here, oh, your English is amazing. How did you learn it? And he's like, oh, I watched YouTube videos. It's amazing. And, I, and when I hear clients tell me back that Johnny at work said, what diet are you doing? And I said, well, I'm not actually dieting. I just changed my relationship with food in pursuit of a better goal. I just think it's so amazing to hear people speak with that perspective and that's what a language gives me it gives me just even that little bit more relatability because my weight is not something i struggle with the one sentence you said there i literally scrub a piece of paper in front of me and i wrote down is committing to the imperfections can you elaborate on that a little bit more i love that well there's I, i i joke with clients i'll joke with you define perfect I don't. I just def- define good food. Define bad food. You could make a decent attempt, but I think if you asked a thousand people, you'd have a thousand different definitions, which kind of shows in which that there's probably no universal definition. I mean, someone smarter than me could come along and give better definitions of this. But you know, I work with real human beings. I'm very much a real human being myself. Every day is unspectacular. I actually have a podcast episode on this that I just recorded after a bit of a rant with a client, and I was surprised how much attention it got. But I called it "fat loss is unspectacular." I remember listening you to know, that. Yeah. I know, yeah, and you know yourself that I think there's a direct inverse relationship between how miserable or spectacular something is in the short term versus how much you'll still be doing it in one year's time. So if you just imagine, you know, you're up here. I know people can't see it because it's an audio, but like. You want to basically make the change as unfeelable as possible with the minimal effective dose. And there's like it's not about perfection. If you're massively overweight and obese, I know people have, have real trouble believing this, but if you eat 10 takeaways a week, eat six. If you eat 3,000 calories a day of shit, the goal isn't to eat quote-unquote health. The goal is to probably see your calorie intake and take a 1,000 off that. For example, just there's no perfect. There never will be. And I want people to really lace up their marathon shoes as opposed to repeatedly trying to sprint back to the start. I love that whole analogy of lacing up the marathon shoes Um, and not kind of going out on the all or nothing approach. And so many of us us do it, Uh, particularly I would say it's either an underlying issue with someone or potentially if people are living their lives vicariously through social media. Like there is the extreme of bodybuilders who are, they can be paper thin, they have literally are shredded. Then there's the kind of the girls up on Instagram with the the massive glutes. um, And that's kind of potentially driving the striving for so-called perfection as you call it. People can't see me, I don't know why I'm doing air quotes. But people, but like it's one of those things that everyone kind of tries to set, look in the mirror and be like, why haven't I? Why haven't I got these abs? Why haven't I got these glutes? Why haven't I got the massive arms and stuff like that? And it is about making small little changes throughout the weeks. And I love the analogy of people who that you've kind of mentioned about kind of the takeaways, just slightly reducing it slowly, slowly, slowly. I was talking to someone this week uh, for online coaching, and takeaways was their thing, and they're like, well. I, I've I've I, he's been doing Slimmer World, um, and he's been kind of like when he, he if he misses breakfast he'll have a massive takeaway at lunch, and he's like, well I miss my takeaways if I start if I start doing weight loss or anything like that. But I'm kind of saying if you if you can still have it, but you just need to reduce it a little bit. Um, he was potentially going on an aggressive diet. Uh, this man has quite a lot of weight to lose. Um, 
and he's kind of he's gone to slim world but he's kind of set the bar too low with his calories um he hasn't like if if for whatever reason it shouldn't stop for quite a long time but if he if he kind of plateaus which is kind of staying at the same weight and he gets frustrated he could potentially as you say go press the fuck up button or give up but his calories aren't are going to go lower so he's saying he's at say say he weighs about 30 stone which isn't far off what this gentleman weighs he is aiming to eat 2000 calories a day which is a, a big old a big old drop um, so he needs to potentially bring up his calories a little bit more but that's just a mindset thing as well can you kind of talk about kind of with kind of some people talk talk about diet breaks and with diet breaks is kind of particularly for females because the scales is sometimes a metric for success for f- females that isn't a sexist comment it's just the way life has shown or history has shown when people need diet breaks and stuff like that, have you got any tips to kind of change the mindset away if you need to bring your calories up to kind of reset the body, give yourselves a little bit of a break if you're feeling really, really low on energy for females in particular? Yeah, I I do and I don't. I don't know if it's going to be of massive value. I, I think it's just a case of, again, going back to nothing being perfect. Like, is your, is your whole life just going to be centered around what you put into your mouth? Um, I don't have a crazy, for my own clients, I don't have a crazy general structure on we do this much time, then we do a diet break. If, if what you said, if someone's low on energy, I always say to every single client, and, and this kind of applies every day, the domain of an extra meal is always going to be there. One of my, I can't actually get these words out because they almost sound too simple. I think one thing really missing from the fitness and diet industry is people not actually thinking about their own goal. Like, you don't have to lose 50 pounds if you don't want to if those lifestyle changes are too hard you could lose 30 if you don't have to lose a pound you you don't have to go to anybody else's ideal so i'm really trying to get this one as clear as i can to my own audience and sometimes i probably overanalyze it slightly but on plan and off plan mentality is a cancer that will absolutely become a disease through your whole body and ruin your relationship with food because that implies that the default is to shove as much shit as you can into your mouth and then stop eating quote-unquote junk foods and then only eat vegetables however if you come up with an approach generally calorie controlled but it doesn't have to be and then understand that rather than saying i give up whatever that means understand that the the domain of extra food is always there you know I, i get people all the time that once they go even a calorie above 1700 they would rather press the fuck it button because what's the point? It wasn't perfect. When I'm trying to say, well, why not eat another three or 400 calorie meal if you're still hungry? Like, but I want to lose weight. And I'm like, do you not see the holes in that argument? Do you not see the, the, the complete and utter illogical mindset that is, well, if I can't be perfect, I'm not trying. But rather than be perfect, very good is not good enough because I want to be slim. It makes no sense. So, I mean, diet breaks are very useful. There are coaches that will definitely implement diet breaks structurally that are very useful and power to you. If that's your system, fantastic. I know amazing coaches that are very like, you know, control every variable and then manipulate certain variables and I think power to you. But it's not quite mine. If a client has hit their calories and wants a sandwich, I'm fine with that. Because if we flip that back, they know that I never put on body weight eating an extra sandwich. And similarly, if a client is too hungry on the calories they're given, we'll increase those calories. And with the understanding that the project might take 10% longer, but it's never ending. You're always going to be want to be in shape forever. Um, 
and I have I have probably seen it a little bit more with females. Certainly, absolutely. I think the scales messes with females' head. I also find females, in my experience of working with them, tend to want to be more in control of variables to be perfect rather than men do. Um, so. And I, like, I have no problem saying that that is absolutely a finding from nearly five years of coaching now. But I always say, why not eat an extra meal if you're hungry? It's To me, it's just that simple. That's it. it, it you've just hit the nail on the head. It is simple. If you are hungry, like nobody, like nobody should be hungry. Um, the way I kind of look at it is if someone's really hungry, well, then eat. So I agree with you on that. But then there's the argument back is... Are they actually hungry? Or are they bored, angry, lonely, or tired? And a lot of people... Great question. Great question. But if you bring somebody's conscious awareness to their actual hunger signals, then maybe they'll say, I wasn't actually hungry. I just needed to know I could have permission to eat extra food. Yeah. And I think I 100% agree with you that I know from myself when potentially was at my heaviest, I would have just come home from work sat on the couch be like no i'm not going to gym no not going for a walk not going football training screw this and just continuously graze throughout the night and be like well i just had a salad for lunch why am i putting on weight it's literally that evening is potentially derailing a little bit of your progress you're going to get frustrated you're going to have this vicious circle and you'll be like why can't i do anything um and like that whole salad at lunch mentality I'm all for salads, they're they're great, but people forget that the rest of the day. People can't. And also, also, I just need to want to come in there because you just mentioned something very interesting. You said a salad for lunch and then eating a pile of food in the evening, right? Yeah. But if you get someone, in my opinion, simply aware of their own hunger signals, just not even like aware to the cube but if you get somebody more aware of what they were doing compared to what they're doing now then calorie balance becomes not as relevant as it might be perceived in that if you were to say and i have done this go 1600 to 2200 calories and that seems like such a mountain for some people like how the heck like that's a big gap and i'm like it's a lot better than what you used to do trust me and then all of a sudden people are eating more in line with their hunger cues and then people forget you can always change it you can always make it lower. You know, we're not going anywhere. You know, you're not going to want to be any less slim next year or any less healthy next year. So it's just, in my opinion, it's about making sure people are challenging the nonsensical thoughts about calories and fitness rather than be perfect. Adhere yeah. to calories. Yeah, I agree with you on the, on the whole perfectionism thing. And then we've spoken about the females and potentially the scales. Have you got any advice from someone that like I have on my, on, on my sign-up sheet there's a question on it. Can you go through your dieting history? And more often than not, particularly with females, the answer back is, I've always been on a diet. It breaks my heart when I see that answer. Can you kind of explain to people why always potentially being on a diet is can be kind of a little bit negative on on the mental side of things and also on the physical side of things yeah well i think it's a case that you don't always want to be in a position where food is ruling your every thought like i think we could all agree on that and i think you know your life will be infinitely much better if you let go of this kind of idea of perfectionism or that life should always be a diet like one thing i i would 
broader people just stop and think about for a second is it's never a problem gaining a pound or two or five pounds of body fat over time, over Christmas, over summer holidays, over whatever it is. The problem is not knowing how to pull back safely. Like the truth is you probably put up a couple of pounds of body fat on holiday because you just increased a couple of calories in the form of cocktails and pizzas because that's what you do when you're away. But then obviously we have this kind of emotional reaction where we come home and it's right back to the drastic attempt as opposed to the logic that would say, okay, if this weight came with extra cocktails and pizzas, it'll probably go away again when life returns as it was before the holiday and I'm not doing cocktails and pizzas every day. Um, so life shouldn't always be one big diet at all. It's just in terms of the weighing scale, I, I this one is funny. It sits with me a lot because you can, you know, I know people that stand on the scale multiple times a day like what are you looking to achieve like do you not know that body fat isn't going to be made and transferred in, in a day so i'm trying to get people away from this emotional side of the scale and use it more as data between what happens in week two and week three doesn't matter up or down not a thing this isn't a motivational pep talk this is fact or at least as close to fact as i can give you what happens in fluctuation between week two and week three not a thing week five and week six not a thing Week nine and week 10, not a thing. What you want to do is use the scale as data between one and four, one and eight, one and 12. Is it largely going down or in the direction you want it to be? Like you will have fluctuations that go up or down week to week, which is why there cannot be any emotional reaction to them because it's not an act. Like I can't draw a conclusion from a rational, pragmatic, unattached place. So your emotion is useless here. And it's just the ego, the stories and the conditioning you have that you're attached from the side of the ego as opposed to the higher self that's telling you, relax a little bit. There's nothing to fear. There's no actual conclusive feedback yet. Maybe, just maybe, something's not as it seems. So from week one to week eight, if your trends are like slightly down, slightly down, slightly down, slightly up, slightly down, slightly down, slightly up, slightly down, that means over the eight weeks, you might have lost seven and a half pounds, for example. And I actually don't think that you should necessarily be attaching yourself to numbers anyway. But again, part of attachment is knowing when it's useful and part of attachment is knowing when it's not useful. So it's not a case of one or the other. So in terms of the scale, I think it's know why you're using it if you use it for any other reason than what i just said and you're a member of the general population like myself and yourself i'd be a little bit worried for you uh, just in the sense that you might be driving yourself crazy over something that doesn't exist unless i'm just missing something and then the other thing is in terms of life being a diet or you know always being on a diet you know if you're always on a diet and not getting further then you need you do need to address that you're the one common denominator in this in my opinion um just so you can have a slightly happier life and also your life will be just be infinitely better if you're just if you know when to relax according to when you want to relax. I mean, I'd hate if I was going out tonight for drinks. I would hate for any trainer to be like, "Can't do that, mate." Like, I've heard of I've heard I've heard I've heard some horror stories from like not trainers I work with or have worked with, but from having clients who have had trainers before about kind of yeah, you're not allowed to have you're with me for twelve weeks, you're not allowed to have drinks, you're not allowed to go out for dinner and stuff, and you're just like, that's just not maintainable that's like life is there to be enjoyed food is there to be enjoyed you're only on this planet for say 60 70 80 years or whatever it is time is there to be enjoyed life is way too short for you to be weighing your porridge life is way too short to be eating chicken and broccoli it has its place uh the chicken and broccoli diet and stuff like that but it's wait for gen from 99 percent of folk chicken and bro broccoli potentially isn't viable it, people want to have kind of like takeaways they want to have pizza they want to have food they enjoy they want to have a social life they want to be able to go out 
and trying to implement small little small little tips say for example say if someone's going out tonight potentially eat a little bit less more or a little bit less more that makes no sense a little bit less for the next couple of days uh drinking water in between your 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 drinks or even just staying away from the takeaways do you know what? that's the thing I, I i personally choose to i don't think i'm necessarily right here by the way i don't I don't even think there is right or wrong unless you're just ruining someone's life. I don't even manipulate my client's calories. Like, is the booze really the problem or is the problem that every time you've been drinking before, it's been two or three takeaways over the weekend and an unearned duvet day with no steps the next day? That's what I want to know. So, I mean, if you go out boozing, I always say between the first sip that hits your lips and the second you hit the hay, cool. Then leave it there. Just get on with it tomorrow. Just wake up and... Press reset. You know, it's the same... Yeah, yeah, that's literally a press reset. Trisha's transformation yeah. is, is that. <laughs> that's yeah, Trisha's. I rather have Trisha, yeah. Yeah, me too. She's amazing. But no, press reset. I mean, you can then make the argument, oh, hungover, and oh, this is terrible. I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, that's part of boozing. <laughs> so, like, you do have to choose the behavior and accept that consequence, and the hangover is part of boozing. But yeah, man, I just, you know, as trainers, the goal is to empower people to think. Um, I, I've always believed. Now more than ever, that a statement closes the mind, but a question opens it. And if you're trying to get people to really think about what they want from fitness and health, if you can ask more questions as a trainer than you give statements and commands, I think you'll be a force. It's my own honest belief because your clients will be your walking business cards because they'll want to associate with you. I, I, I actually was doing a kind of a business consult, believe it or not, before this. Um, and I remember talking to him and I said, it still blows me away that some people pay me for months on end essentially for calories in a training plan like you can get that shit off the internet for free in fact if you ask me nice enough i'll give it to you for free i won't coach you for free but i'll give you the basics and people buy the trainer people buy the mentality you know people want to be the quote-unquote leader they aspire to there's a reason i think people that are successful in certain fields of leadership are that's because they almost give people who look up to them permission to be a certain way um permission to act a certain way just by doing their thing and spreading their message and i that's that's not me saying, look how awesome my methods are, but it is me saying I'm very aware that the influences I give to my clients are what they'll carry for the rest of their life, you know, their relationship with food, etc. So it's crucial to me personally that I put someone in a much, much, much better place. And very often that's trying to get people to let go of conditioning that they've inherited, often even from childhood or from parents who are always dieting. And that's fucked up their relationships with food right now. So we owe it to people, man. We, and, and we owe it to people to look inwards first and make sure that we're not operating solely from places of ego, you know, solely from places of insecurity, solely from places of fear. Like, you know, you talked about a moment ago where trainers stopping their clients going out boozing. That's because they're afraid to go out boozing. That has nothing to do with the client. Yeah. Like, that's because the six-week photo shoot shred that the trainer did, there was no booze. You know, cool, if you want to look you know, peeled for a bodybuilding competition, maybe you shouldn't go thinking sauce every Friday night. If you want to lose 10 pounds, you absolutely can. Or at least you have the option to think for yourself. There's a big difference between, you know, the vanity side of health and fitness and people like me, people perhaps like you, I don't want to speak for you, but to do get that emotional connection and release from food. I get that. I, I, I go to Vietnam and eat street food with people and feel that, you know, moment and I eat with my girlfriend and want the taste of, I, I don't know what it is, I don't know how to describe it, but I get that, I connect with it. And I know most people do too, it's just often they've never been given the permission to enjoy that kind of moment with a slightly higher calorie meal in the balance. And I think it's up to us to get people thinking, why? Why not? 
yeah. if that makes any sense. No, that, and that, the way you've, you've hit the nail on the head there get, about getting people thinking and challenging their beliefs. You're a huge advocate of that. And that I've listened to your podcast for quite a while now. And it's always about challenging your beliefs. Um, and that that's phenomenal. And that was that leads into the next question, which is on my screen, which is just, it's a weird coincidence, about kind of challenging your beliefs is dealing with negative people. So I had a client recently, an online client recently, who um, is has a boyfriend and when she goes over to the um the other half's family um the the other half sister um is potentially being quite negative towards her diet or her lifestyle or that she doesn't want to have the the fry up or she doesn't want to have the cake or whatever it may be have you got any tips for dealing with people who are trying to kind of derail your progress um, I know I've got permission from my client to tell the story because she's a huge follower of yours. The fuck up button was the first one I got her to listen to about from yourself. So she's a huge fan of yourself. So she she told me to ask you this question personally. So. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate it. You know, it's still weird. I'm sure you're the same. It's still really humbling and really weird when someone listens to something you've said or done. I just think it's crazy. Just it's mental. You know, 2019 sh- schmucks like us shouldn't be at a microphone. Yeah. It's a really good question, man. I think you've probably encountered this a lot in your BT career. I know I have. Um, I probably won't say anything overly groundbreaking here. I think you. I think it's important to know that the only reaction you can control in life under any circumstances is your own. Um, I think it is important to realize that you know it's we're only responsible for the self and not for how anybody else i think it helps to know that everybody is just a product of conditioning everybody is perspective based as opposed to fact based if that makes sense you know humans aren't the best at thinking critically and interpreting information a lot of us are insecure i don't think a lot of us see the world as it is i think we see it as we are i also think it's very important to set boundaries um I've seen, I've seen this in my own life, I've seen this in certain people's life, setting boundaries. You have to set limits for people whereby they know that they cannot cross that for fear of losing any kind of intimacy or dampening any kind of intimacy, damaging, should I say, not dampening, the intimacy you'd have in a relationship with that person. And I, I don't mean intimacy romantically, I mean like me and you are, are at a certain level of intimacy here and if you cross my boundary or I cross yours, that would that would shatter a little bit and to the point where one or both of us might say, okay, it's better for both of us if we don't come into contact. And I think you can do that with class and tact. And I think you can obviously not be necessarily around people. It's probably different for your clients because it's in-laws. Um, maybe set the boundary. Maybe set the boundary that if food is mentioned excessively, that that's not an environment you want to be around because you're currently enjoying a new outlook on food and exploring it negatively is not a place you wish to be. I think what I've seen here is people feel like they can't set boundaries. They feel like they're betraying other people by setting boundaries and they feel very awkward about, well, I have to go to the in-laws. But again, if you're talking about challenging beliefs, I would say why. You don't have to do anything that's dampening your self-worth, that's completely making you miserable or unhappy or when people are taking bites out of it. Why should you put yourself into a position where other people aren't auditing their own behavior and how it makes you feel. And you will make other people uncomfortable. When you begin setting boundaries and auditing your own behavior, being very self-directed and you know, self-reflective, I think you'll begin making other people very uncomfortable that haven't got to that level of emotional maturity yet. And they won't be able to see it. And they're the ones that are more likely to have emotional rea- reactions. And adults tantrums. 
it's just an adult tantrum. Um, so I guess I, I think people owe it to themselves to put create boundaries to put themselves into a position where they can create happiness and peace. Like to me, like happiness is just peace in motion, and peace is just happiness at rest. And I think if you can find that kind of mentality in life, I know that sounds very, uh, very deep. I, it I was very deep. <laughs> no, but what I mean, it nearly sounds like, you know, I'm trying to get to this Buddha state. I haven't figured jack shit out about life yet, but this is the kind of stuff that goes through my mind on the daily. Um, and this is the kind of stuff I genuinely talk about my clients with. That I've said, I said it to you just before we went on the yeah. air. I don't believe clients are missing calorie knowledge. I think people are missing that one perspective that would empower them to change the way they think. Uh, and if you don't have that yet, it just means you haven't found it yet. Keep going. But yeah, go back to your original questions. I, I just think self-awareness, self-responsibility, and creating and setting boundaries, even if they hurt in the short term, I think that's very useful. Yeah, no, I, I like How the, do you- I, the, I, I like the whole setting the boundaries thing. And I think what the advice that I gave to my client was, like, if if that, that person could be going through certain things themselves they could be not comfortable with their own body they could be uncomfortable with their own ideologies with food training where they are at um and it's not about challenging them but i would say even pull them aside and say hey i'm doing this for me do you mind not kind of making these little snide little comments and some people may find that a little bit uncomfortable but i think that person may respect you in the long run for kind of pulling them aside and not kind of like having a screaming match in it's like it's like anything if something's potentially bugging you or or you're having an underlying issue with someone potentially pull them aside that person may be kind of ready to kind of like press the button and kind of have a screaming match but it's important for you to kind of like set your beliefs um understand your beliefs which is the most important part but kind of take a seat back and kind of relay yours but without going into the screaming match people were some some people are looking for a fight some people are uncomfortable in where they're at, which is completely understandable. I've been there. And it's just about kind of relaying why you're doing this. Not that you have to justify yourself, which is the most important thing, but just to try and let that person know where you're at, why you're doing it. And maybe somewhere along the line, they'll be like, do you know what? Maybe two, three, six months down the line, they'll be like, I actually hugely respect you for pulling me aside. And now I'm ready to kind of do the same thing. And that that's where my ideology was. I agree. I, I do. I think that's a very useful piece of input. I, and I, I would actually ha- genuinely happen to agree with you that I think a lot of people do come full circle on, you know, some we all have the power to change. And I certainly know, similar to yourself, I've operated in the past from places of ignorance. I've said things that were born out of emotion and hot-headedness. So, you know, the, the one fallacy you never want to do is talk about these things as if you're the angel and everybody else is the perpetrator. But you know yourself, you can change. But... Mm, similar to what you're saying the whole idea of putting boundaries is if you're aware that somebody else isn't quite there yet and you were there you have to set the boundary because you know that that person won't change their beliefs on something until that becomes internal and you need to protect your energy and especially something as emotional as food man you know dieting and fat loss and all this stuff is hard enough without other people putting their nose in every five minutes so that's why i think it's really really practical to have a boundary like stop talking about food go away yeah and everyone everyone has an opinion and that's one of the things that i've realized that sometimes people in the fitness industry portray this image of strong but what i found from working in the fitness industry is that sometimes they can be the probably the most insecure people 
uh, in relation to the, if they potentially don't like this is this on this could be a sweeping statement this is just my experience so far um, but if they if you challenge a belief that they may have sometimes they kind of get a little very defensive over a certain style of training it can be anything it could be like why are you doing this with a client why are you doing why are you telling that client x y and z but then it's the clients it's the, the people that you're potentially working with or the professionals that you're working with that are asking more questions and trying to learn they're the ones that will kind of challenge their beliefs like you've said with the dieting but are not going to be doing these crazy crazy crash diets with their clients the ones that are actually going to learn uh, and that's what i apply to like it's not even the trainers it's also the actual clients themselves because there's there's so much bs out there there's so much bullshit out there um and it's frightening i think you have q you have a q and a once a week or every two weeks and some of the stuff sometimes you get on your q and a's is a little bit concerning or from some of the information I, I, you, you said something there that piqued my interest and it, it goes back to the old Ray Dalio principle of be careful who you ask for information because everybody will give it to you. Yeah. Um, and I think that's very useful. In terms of the Q&A, probably the reason that I'm so... You know, I get, I've had a couple of DMs lately when I've... I, I, someone asked me recently, for example, is sugar good or bad to eat? Is sugar okay to eat? And I about five years ago cut sugar out of my diet because I thought it was poison I fell into that fallacy so when I found out that you know all the research suggested it wasn't that wasn't inherently what I wanted to accept as research because you know because I literally quit it for seven months and I was convinced that because of the newfound physical health that that was the reason but you know I always think the mark of an educated mind is change your mind accordingly um so when I get asked is sugar okay to eat I think I think it was Danny Lennon that once said this uh you know, he used a really good example, and I and I stole it from him. I stole it directly from him. If you're if sugar okay to eat, if you're diabetic and you're you know hypoglycemic, then sugar is useful. You know, like if you're excessively eating it, then probably not. The context really matters, and I have found that there's probably no you you don't want to bore people with the it depends answer, but every question will require context. Like my analogy, I've been given people is like. Is a knife good or bad? And I'm like, it depends. Are you buttering toast or stabbing someone through the heart? You know, the context really matters. Like, really matters. I mean, you could, you could, you could put a knife on the floor and just like, because it's in a not a desirable position, point it and go, don't touch that weapon. It's bad. I'm like, it's not inherently bad. It depends what you used it for. And I think sugar is the same. You know, are you eating too much crap? Or are you having a date night once a week and having some ice cream? So the context really matters when you talk about the BS being out there. And again, it's, it's just our job to empower people. When I when I get the Q&As, I've had a couple of people message me lately. One girl said, you should stop being so condescending and actually answer the bloody question. And I, I didn't actually mind the input. I just went, because I, I remember it was actually a statement. I just went, what question? What should I have answered? I don't technically see a question. It's very generalized. I was trying to be polite, but she she bit back at me she was being quite rude and my, my thesis did the same i was like it's because of generalized one fits all information people only see where they are you know if, if someone with a really skewed relationship with food sees johnny pt saying yeah don't eat sugar it's terrible that just pushes them further back away from a mentality they're dying to have flexibility adherence balance discipline all in one but they're only obsessed with the discipline side of things and can't find the the flexibility side of things, if that makes sense. So there really is such a, a 
burden of responsibility. Uh, you know, we really do have such a responsibility to not put clients in a worse place. Like first to do no harm. And that can come across through our content too. So I'm very deliberate in the way I answer my Q&A questions. I love banter with people and sometimes I love about life stuff. But when about nutrition, also when you think about it, when you think about it, Shano, like really, 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 metabolism. Like what the hell do we really know about the metabolism as personal trainers other than a few definitions we learned in the book? Like I could tell you theoretically what a metabolism is. I could tell you everything it does. But if you cut the human body up and opened it or put, told me to actually assess someone's, I wouldn't have a clue how to do it, nor should I. It's a doctor's thing. Leave the metabolic thyroid diagnosis to a professional that has evidence, medical evidence to prove you are short somewhere and otherwise assume that the client is a normal human being who's going to adhere to some nutritional scientific guidelines. So like there is, you talk about there being so much, yeah, isn't it? You talk about there being so much BS. You know, you have a client messaging you over a hundred pounds saying, I know it's eat fat to burn fat, but I love carbs. I'm like, tell me about your diet and then you get into things and you realize that one nugget of information has people thinking, oh, well, if I eat bread, I'm a failure. Therefore, I might as well eat the full pizza all the time, every day. Like, so I could go down such a rabbit hole. I'm already going down a rabbit hole. Sorry about this. But we've such a duty of care to our clients to not put them in the worst place when we're working with them. Some people might not get the crazy transformations that they hoped for at the start, but if you put someone mentally in a better place with food and emotionally in a better place with food and with exercise and with their body, I think that's a wonderful job. Well done. And I know I've heard people say that's a thing bad coaches say when they can't get transformations, but um, I don't fully subscribe to that. You need to be able to do both. Get a client the results they want or guide them in that direction and make them feel better about food. I know a lot of monkeys that can get people shredded in eight weeks, but I can also tell you those same monkeys are devaluing people's fucking self-worth and self-esteem. So it really depends. I love that. I love the fact that you've alluded to if someone's asking you about thyroid issues or asking your trainer about thyroid issues, you have to stay in your lane. And Larry Doyle told me that quote when he came on, stay in your lane. If some, Don't be afraid to refer out. If there's something like, like for instance, PCOS, if there's something, someone with diabetes or there's someone that may be pregnant and you haven't got the qualifications, which... 99% nearly 100% of PTs potentially don't is to refer out and do you know what that person will thank you in the long run um, that the, fact, the fact that you've been comfortable enough and not arrogant enough to refer out and not to be like this this uh, person that tries to know everything like we can read as many books as possible but we're not necessarily going to be able to as you said, open up the human body and be like X, Y, Z. That's not what our job is. Our job is to try, our job should be, emphasis on should be, is to try and make small changes to someone's diet, try to make make, make small changes to someone's life. And if, there, if someone wants a crash diet for eight weeks, there has to be a due care of aftercare afterwards. You literally can't just cut them off after eight weeks after you've got them down to eight or nine percent. You could potentially could have had or been given them a quote unquote a eating disorder, but the, so many people just cut themselves off after a client has left after eight or nine weeks, and you've got them their so called transformation. But there has to be a due of aftercare and due to like text that person or message that person or even phone call that person, which is a dying art these days that you need to check in with that person and just see if they're okay. And that's that's just a small little thing that someone needs to do. It's 
it's one of those pet peeves that I have in the industry at the minute that so so many of of people out in the industry are so so um, conscious of getting a a transformation for social media and to be verified on social media and get all the likes and stuff like that but they're not necessarily looking after their clients well-being looking after their clients needs looking after their clients potential beliefs on food it all plays out in the end though I think people who are in it for the long run will stay in it for the long run I, I, I do think personally I do think I know we're talking about people's health it's no laughing matter but I think people do get found out eventually yeah I agree and I think if, I think that's happening now uh, through social media through the likes of the evidence based practitioners like Martin McDonald and stuff like that they, I don't like the style of calling people out but if that person's been putting absolute shit up on social media for years and they're making like everyone has to make a living. Everyone deserves to put food onto their onto a plate. But if you're p- promoting absolute and other shit, you 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 need to be put into your into your space. Um, and it doesn't matter how you feel about because I don't like call out culture anyway. But it doesn't matter what I think if you're putting out the wrong information and somebody who does like call out culture decides to oust you. It doesn't matter. It doesn't right. matter how I feel. Yeah, no. If it's one. wrong information, you're going to get found out. Yeah, exactly, and 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 that's it's happening more and more now. Like if you go on to any and like any of the evidence based practitioners now, the perfect example is Game Changers. I haven't seen it because I've had no. I've been we were meant to chat during the week. I have no Wi Fi, no TV for the last nearly two weeks. It yeah, so I haven't seen the Game Changers documentary. I don't know if you've seen it yet on Netflix. Um, and it's. It's it's probably I've I'm doing a Q and A today and I have five questions about game changes, uh, about the plant based. It's, it's all about like about a correlational examples though, isn't it? Like oh, Johnny went vegan and became the world's strongest man, that kind of stuff. Yeah, and Arnie Arnie is the person at the, in it, and you're like Arnie did not get jacked from, like. Arnie, I'm doing a seventy five day challenge with some with some people in the community. And one of my things, this is absolutely true, I'm, I'm taking my nutrition down to two and a half thousand calories, just carrying a few pounds of body fat, wouldn't mind it gone, perfect example. I am on, coincidentally, because I looked this up out of curiosity, I'm on the exact same macro split as Lionel Messi. Am I going to play like him in 75 days? Like, it's just, when I think of how stupid that sounds, I think of how it's easy to discredit a lot of what documentaries are saying. Like, you know, imagine 75 days of eating such and such a way is not I don't even need to say it. I've actually kept my mouth intentionally shut on Game Changers because <laughs> there's nothing I can add to it. I think the evidence-based community have destroyed it enough as it is. It's been it's been fairly well hammered, but it's it's quite scary how many people are still asking questions. Uh, I think some people went want potential self-validation on what their ideologies towards and what they've read about it, but some people think that plant-based diets uh, are completely no meat. So like Ben Coomer, who I've had on the show, he's plant-based, but he still eats meat, but he just has legumes. He just has loads of vegetables and stuff like that and extra veggies, extra portions. And that's, I think that's what the epiphany for a lot of people who've, who have asked questions afterwards are like, oh, you can actually have meat and still be plant-based. Most people in the world don't eat enough vegetables. Uh, it's quite scary. A lot of people don't fill their plates with greens. They're too conscious of getting as many carbs or filling the plates with spuds or filling the plate with rice or getting loads of protein in when you're going to potentially get more vitamins and minerals and stuff like that from vegetables for the first little while you may 
have a little bit of a kind of a, a wobbly stomach because you're introducing more fiber into your stomach and your body not might not be used to it but after a little while it's like anything little and often introduce slow something slowly in your body will kind of get adapt to it and your body will feel so much healthier your skin will change your hair will change well not my case but hair will change your nails will change your body will feel a lot better by introducing vegetables and that was one of the things I've tried to do over the last 18 months is make sure I throw in a load of veg into like if you ever watch the cooking that I put up I always get asked questions why do you have such like big portions it's the amount of vegetables and amount of like spinach and kale and stuff like that I just throw into a pan it's like people just need to eat veg move more eat veg eat a little bit less and one thing I've I've started doing to um, negotiate with clients I don't know why you think of this system um I've never heard it before, so in my mind I've created this, but this could be something trivial. I might have just missed it. One thing I've been doing to negotiate with clients is if if they're going calorie-controlled approach, it's really useful. Um, to, to I get people to try and commit to a number of meals a day. This includes snacks. So how many times will food pass your mouth? It could be three, it could be four. And my first request is I give three requests. I want you to fill the plate with prote- protein first and just get the macronutrient on that, like the calories in that. So it could be like... 150 calories off protein whatever 30 40 50 grams whatever the hell it's going to be 40 grams it's 160 calories and then the next thing i ask them to do is then fill the plates with appropriate amount of vegetables and my clients i just suggest they don't track vegetables personally i don't think enough people eat them so i don't count them as their calories so then people put the veg on their plate next and then the third thing is i get them to do whatever they want then with the remainder they can have whatever they want in whatever forms they want and enjoy Enjoy that. So my logic is it's a calorie balanced meal. They're meeting their protein requirements. They're meeting their nutrient requirements or the micronutrient requirements. And then equally as important to me, they're meeting the kind of the taste and that that personal fulfillment choice requirements. And I think they're hitting it from all fronts. So if they decide, for example, to have a protein, a vegetable, and for some bizarre reason, a packet of Skittles for dinner and decide, oh, the Skittles wasn't very filling. At least the next day they come along and decide they're going to have like 300 grams of spuds for the same caloric value. And I've got them kind of deciding their own meal, but all of a sudden it's a well-rounded meal of salmon, spuds and vegetables. But I didn't say it. Yeah. Like I didn't mention and that's and people love that. They're like, oh my God, I can't believe, you know, a big feed of spuds and some salmon and some curry is only 450 calories. And I'm like, yeah, it's quite the thing, isn't it? Pretty awesome. Um, so it's a, it's a really useful thing I've tried to do to negotiate with, like, like I'm negotiating with children to get them to eat more vegetables, but protein, veg, and taste, or protein, veg, and emotional satisfaction, whatever you want to call it, I think it just covers what I consider to be three of the main needs people get from food. Nutrients, actual macronutrients, like the micronutrients, the macronutrients, and then the taste. It covers it all. And then obviously being in a calorie controlled approach really helps. And it's just my, my way of easing people towards understanding that like the, the genuine phrase dieting shouldn't be hellish. You shouldn't even be that hungry. Like here, you decide, take the power. Use my specific guidelines and you take the power back. It's a really nice system that I've seen with have tremendous value so far. It might sound a bit simple, but if, if someone listens to this and decides to try it, they might actually get a feel for high protein, high nutrient meals with that little bit of taste whilst being in a calorie controlled approach yeah like food like food food is there to be enjoyed it's not to be demonized it's not to be yeah looked at in a negative connotation but so many of us uh what did i, I heard a quote recently from joe Lee. is that her name i think it is uh on instagram i was listening to one of her podcasts and she kind of said um moderation is, no what is this 
extreme dieting is easy, moderation is difficult. And I was like, that is fitness in a fucking sentence. It literally yeah, is. Moderation is difficult. Yeah, like I think I've I've maybe ad-libbed a little bit of it. The mod- moderation um, is the definitely the, the last part of it anyway. But I heard that and I was like, that is fitness to AT. It is extremes is what's promoted up on social media. People use it, social media as escapism and it is literally like that. Like I remember, have you ever seen the old photo of Dublin on O'Connell Street with the old trams uh, back in like the 1920s or 30s? Everyone is sticked in. The same photo beside it now, everyone is completely and utterly massive compared to the people back in 1920s or 30s. People are going through extreme changes. People are going on have more choice with food and it's just very very difficult for them to to kind of filter out what's right and wrong and as as you've said it's our job to kind of do that one of the th- you mentioned you've mentioned sugar um and one of the one of the things that resonates with me the probably the most out of yourself and one of the things i use a lot with my clients take it away from you is in regard to the multi-packs and it's an analogy oh, yeah. you use brilliantly can you kind of explain kind of the multi-pack analogy that you kind of go through with your clients? I just say stop buying the fucking multi-pack by the amount Simple. of Like, I've literally said to people jokingly where they're like, oh, the multi-pack is a euro cheaper. I'm like, I'll fucking PayPal you a euro if you buy the one pack. Like, just just buy the one Kinder Bueno. And I'm only having, obviously, a little bit of banter, but I, I don't know how... This is where people question their own willpower. It's not willpower. If you have gigantic delicious purple and yellow chocolatey goodness in the fridge or in the press you're going to eat it all so buy the amount you actually want because i know it sounds so trite but i actually think there's a lot of <laughs> wisdom to it it's it like buy the if you you're in your house and you think oh i shouldn't be chocolate today i'm like no you, you you've always got the option you know food will always be there okay i'd like a kinder bueno okay cool you didn't say four get one or maybe I'll get four. Well, now you're just gone into a thousand calories in one bite territory. Why are you doing that? All right, I'll go back to one. One it is. One it is. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, the one Kinder Bueno didn't make me fat. I'm like, who'd have thought? But I bet you're not full off it either, are you? Nope. And I bet you wouldn't be full if you had four as well, would you? Nope. But you'd probably regret it, wouldn't you? Probably. So don't do it. And I know it sounds very simplistic, but like, it's kind of true. It's, it's the it's truth. It's the kind of banter that I... Yeah, it's the kind of banter I'd have with clients that are obviously in a good place to have a bit of banter. But if we take it a bit more seriously, it is just a very straightforward suggestion. Don't buy extra shit. No, it's 100%. I, I, that's why I love the analogy. It's like you've, you've simplified it there, but it is. And if you, if someone potentially is kind of challenging back, well, like the, the argument back is potentially that four packets of crisps you may feel like shite afterwards. More than likely, you'll feel like shite. And then potentially you'll go into the gym the next day or you may not even go to the gym the next day and you'll be trying to like, air quotes, I'm not even going to do the air quotes, is burn off those calories. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. That's my, pe- when someone says that to me, I'm like, I'm going to pour hot water over you. I'm like, it's my pet peeve. If I had hair, I'd pull it out. I. It's just, it's one of those pet peeves um, when people say they're going to, Burn, burn off those yeah, excess. I'm annoyed at clients for that. I'm annoyed at trainers for insinuating that, like, you must burn the calories from Chris, but don't worry about the calories from Salmon. Like, it makes no sense. Like, are we just going to drive the first 10 kilometers and not drive the second? It's just, it's just, uh, but it's not clients' fault. No, nope, it's, it's not. It's, 
it's the system it's the yeah uh it's it's exactly it's the information fault it's the information that's been out there for so long and now it's because the evidence evidence-based practitioners that are coming through it's it's slowly 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 and it, the whole point of like yourself i don't know i'm speaking for myself i don't know for yourself but the whole reason i do the podcast and why i try to put so much information up on social media and why i put out so much free content is if if any of it resonates with one person and it educates that one person towards anything well then the, that was my reason for trying to do like 20 different outtakes from my igtv or the podcast or press and pause stop or t- editing through it and taking out the uhs and the ums and the whatever is if it if it if it impacts on one person well then that makes my life a little bit better from helping that person getting rid of that fucking stupid stigma that they've been tr- that's been underlying with them for so long that's why i love this job i hated my old job but i love this job we were talking about public speaking before we came on air um i used to do like talks and stuff for my old job I fucking hated every minute of it. I did a talk last week with one of your clients, Steve, and it was a and a style. So was, we looked like a boy band up on stills. And uh, it was I've never been happier. I was freaking out a little bit because I didn't know what was going to come through the audience. But it was one of those questions. It was the questions that kind of you get on a general, from general population anyway, from the gym floor. And I, I was I was content. I was happy enough. It was just one of those things. It was it was it was great. Um, the last thing the when you do something when you do something from empowerment and passion there's such a difference yeah it's it's mental and then like steve went up on i i know steve's gonna listen to this i hope steve's gonna listen to this he said he would i'll pay, i'll have to pay him if he doesn't uh like steve was saying that it's it's just scary that people are listening to his story but he's lived through it and i think that's why people so many people resonate with his his uh story but he's so like his whole battle it's we were talking off air like it's he's so blasé about the whole battle with cancer and stuff it's it's just it's just crazy and, no. all, and all credit to him no. um, i agree the man has just got a wonderful outlook uh, outlook and mindset like he's not even 30 years of age the dude beat cancer and lost 110 pounds or whatever it is it's just nuts yeah like he's not even 30 I, if you forget that it's it's mental um some one the last thing I'm gonna kind of talk about is the stories you keep telling yourself. You are a big kind of th- believer on that, in relation to, I can't do this. I can't get to the gym. Eating healthily, air quotes again, is too expensive. I got one of the Q, one of the messages I got Q and A this morning, which I'm gonna allude on. I'm gonna put a post up about it today. Is eating healthily or supposed healthily? is too expensive can you kind of elaborate on that a little bit more well yeah in terms of the the challenging yourself i just i do think it's a very useful thing for all walks of life i mean i think we resign ourselves to again conditioning that we've been given whether it's through childhood or adolescence you know we i'm big big believer that ego as in real definition of ego is there to protect and serve us and stop us getting uncomfortable and stopping us going into new territory and keeping us attached to old stories that we have and definitely keeping us held back from being who and what we could be Uh, i talked to a lovely gentleman as i mentioned earlier business kind of thing before this and he just he mentioned a couple times he's like oh i can't do something i'm shy and something like that and i said well, the, the insufficient you is shy. Like, yes, but if you're trying to do something that involves a bit of courage, you have to stop justifying this shortcoming as shyness and start asking yourself what a person of more 
outgoing values would do. Now, I believe there's a lot of use to that. There will, I, I've heard people say this kind of stuff is horseshit, and fair enough. I mean, if you know, you hear your Tony Robbins of the world, and that stuff doesn't connect with me. Um, so I totally get it, and motivational spiel isn't my thing. But I think it's really practical to look inward and think, what does a man or a woman of the values I wish to have do? Who, what do they do? Who do they identify by? And you know, what would be useful in order? What values would they need in order to create a better life? I believe that's really useful. Um, so if you if you keep telling yourself, like I've had a client right now, and she's a wonderful person, and she told me in her assessment sheet that she's lazy. And then she mentioned it again on our one of our Skype check-ins. And I said, it's just interesting you identify yourself as lazy because if you remain lazy in your own mind, you'll you'll stay at the weight. So like, what would somebody with your targets do? And then she started just saying, well, maybe go for more walks. And I was like, well, there you go. But that's not a lazy person. She's like, that's true. And I was like, so is it possible you're not lazy then? And you know, I just started talking to her. And all, all of a sudden, I just watched her get rid of that point to the point now where she agrees with me that this whole fat loss is a perspective thing. And life is a bit of a perspective thing and it's just very very important to understand that a where your own thoughts are coming from and who give you them and b who you're letting control your thoughts and your mindset now uh, i like to think you can tell by my tone this is a very important topic to me because i could have gone down a very limited road in life whereby i felt very trapped in my 20s and now i feel very much free i i, I feel i feel what i imagine cristiano ronaldo's mindset looks like with the with the business world and lifestyle world in that sense that I just feel that there's just an infinite amount of permutations and you know what are you limiting yourself by just the stories you're challenging yourself and I, I mean this in all walks of life business personal development personal training anything I just I do think you are the right information the right learnings away from starting to change your perspective you know if you identify and you know you're a very angry person then you need to change that in the next moment that's something that makes you see the angry happens you can't read about it just like you can't read about push-ups you have to do the work and you have to change the mindset next time you're in the position in terms of the actual expense I used to be very bullish that, oh, you'll make any excuse you want. Um, and then I did listen to people say there are certain socioeconomic factors and whatnot. And my, I'm not trying to avoid your question. What I would say is my job is to be here for those that are ready. So if people are ready to make a change and they trust me with their finances and their personal trust, whatever you want to call it, they trust me personally and financially, I'm here for that person. If somebody's in a position whereby they perceive eating healthy is too expensive or for some reason it is, I have to respect that. I used to be the first person to say, stop making fucking excuses. I still believe that in certain elements of life, but I've relaxed on it a lot in the sense that nobody who's ready to let go of their excuses is probably going to respond to being shouted at to let go of their excuses. Unless you're Gary Vaynerchuk. He's probably the one exception. Um, so... Yeah, if, if people think eating healthy is too expensive, I would just say, have you sat down and looked at your budget? Have you sat down and looked at where you spend your money? Have you really exhausted all options? That's the only advice I could really give. Um, because as humans, we will take anything we can to cling on to the old story, whether it's true or not. You know, we will cling on to everything's perception. Two people can see the exact same thing, man, and have a different perception. You know, I, I, you know it for sure. I... Like the guy I talked to on the Skype call, you know, he was a guy from West Africa and he was just like, I can't believe I got to leave it and come into like with the Western world and build a life for myself. But he knows people by the exact same story that are talking about how hard they have it and they'll never make it, anything of themselves. And 
two people in the same situation which with a very different outlook on life um and that goes for pretty much everything like I, I see it all the time you you could i told you that i was thinking about running a seminar next year it's one of my 2020 goals and i told you that if it's a massive success fantastic and if no one shows up and everyone thinks i'm a fucking loser grand that's that's on me that's my loss you know it's, i'll bear the burden on that thank you very much there's nothing you can say to make me feel any worse about it because I'll assess that and I'll fix that. But there are people who that would cripple with fear. But it's the same situation. It's the same situation, just interpreted differently. And it's taken me a couple of years to fully get my head around that. And I'm not some enlightened, wise character. I'm very much making peace with my own idiocy and ignorance, which is actually a beautiful paradox, because the more I learn, the more I see the holes in my own knowledge. So I'm just over here trying to do my thing and learn my path. So I'm always just trying to get people to just practice a bit more self-reflection each day just look a little more inward just what you know if, if there's if you're looking for the reason why you can't do something i just wouldn't be so sure about that i know that doesn't technically go into what you're saying because you're talking about food being too expensive but that does tie in what i was saying about i don't have a hardcore opinion on it anymore because all i'm here to do is help somebody that is in the place to let me help them i hope that makes sense no that, that makes sense um like for so long what I was what I was telling myself was I couldn't be um, I couldn't go into the gym I was scared of the gym um, and that that was what three four years ago before I got sick uh, and now it's like it's a different it's a different me my friends uh, my mom always says it to me uh, is like from when I got sick to now is a completely different person it's the happy Shane that was in his like in his when he was a kid and stuff like that but when I was in that kind of recruitment job that I had for five six years wasn't myself I was kind of potentially I was telling myself that the corporate world was potentially for me I was telling myself that this is what society dictates I was telling myself I should have be married at x age I should have a house at this age these are stories that people kind of tell but I think social media is also portraying that that can that it doesn't have to be that way. And I think someone that is portraying that very, very well is Siobhan O'Hagan. Um, Siobhan is portraying that to AT. Siobhan's literally just got and bought a house or a lease over in Bali now. So she has a maths degree. She had a big high paying corporate job. Um, and now she has her online, co- online coaching business. She has her fitness furnace. She has all that kind of stuff on it. And she has built a business for herself that allows her to kind of travel meet new people like Siobhan's so bubbly when you meet her face to face and for so long she was like myself it was telling herself that she needed to go X Avenue she's gone down a completely different avenue gone one complete 180 and she's so much happier and I can completely resonate with kind of where Siobhan's at right now um, that was a sidetrack question altogether um, what no it's good man it's good because these are these are truths yeah. These are universal truths in terms of, if that's what I interpreted correctly, just you think it should be one way and then you begin to actually start to be awareness of your own thoughts and think, this isn't a life, this isn't a story that I want. Yeah, like I'm a huge advocate of journaling. So what I've started doing for the last kind of year is kind of writing down in a journal what happened that day and then making sure, even if it was a crap day, three positive affirmations. Those positive affirmations could be, I trained today. I hit a protein target, hit a PB, or 
got a new client or released a new episode of the podcast, recorded a podcast, got to chat with Paul Dermody today. Something simple as that. And it, 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 it's, you're going with a happy endorphin release in your brain. You're going to sleep with that and you wake up and you're like, I'm ready for the, to kick ass. That could work for some people, that couldn't work for other people, but it's what works for me and it's changed my mindset completely in regarding the whole mental health side of things. Uh, from where I was at two and a half years ago, it's just, it's miles apart. Um, what's coming up next for Paul? We've got the online coaching, we've got the podcast, we've potentially got a seminar. So what's coming up? Oh, thank you, yeah, no, um, I've got my online coaching, it's my, what I do, also a one-to-one trainer, but that's pretty useless unless anyone's in Vietnam. <laughs> um, I'm thinking about, I'm not thinking, I'm running my first seminar in 2020, it's just about getting the fine detail in it because I'll obviously be flying home for it, but it's just a goal I want to set myself and a challenge and you know, if I'm going to fly home for something, I'm going to put my heart and soul into it. And I've also decided if I can't get a book written and complete by 2020, I don't think it'll ever happen. Now, always give yourself permission to change your mind because if for any reason I decide to put more businessy stuff on the front finger, I will allow myself happily to change my mind. But right now, with the itch, I have to write a book if I don't really get cracking on that soon. Might never happen. So, or at least that's the deal I'm trying to make with myself. But yeah, that's it, man. I haven't done a podcast in a few weeks. I had a bit of a two-week holiday with Brian and kind of just just didn't done a bit sick this week. So that's three weeks. So it's about time I got the finger out and did the podcast again. Um, yeah, there's not that exciting. My life is the most wonderful, beautiful mix of exactly as I want it to be and probably boring from the outside looking in. So. But but you're happy and that's the most important thing. And like I can see that I, I interviewed Paul back in December last year. I think you're out episode five and you were, I think, were you in Barcelona? December last no, year? I was in Ireland. I'd you were in Ireland. So you 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 were looking to go you were kind of in limbo completely different you can see it in your eyes you can see the happiness in your eyes and stuff like that everyone everyone says that to me man ever since i left ireland in july all my everyone says it's your eyes the difference i'm yeah. like i swear it's the weather it's the it's not even it's just the weather i was back in ireland going hey i love everyone here oh great it's raining again and i just i just need sunshine that's all yeah. i don't need anything else it just sounds so basic I need a job I like and some sunshine and you can take the rest of it away. Simple pleasures. Man of simple pleasures. Oh, maybe, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so, Paul, I'm going to put all your information up on the the information up for the podcast. Um, I really, really appreciate you giving up your, your time this afternoon and your time um, and for chatting. We could have spoken for so long. Um, like we've got like we missed for about 40 minutes of, of content beforehand we're like we actually better press record here so thank you so much for coming on I really really appreciate it pleasure man I love this thanks so much for having me no problem at all thank you so much <laughs>